Welcome to Watch Party Wheel of Time. I'm your host, Ruark, joined as always by our panel of newbies. Say hello, panel. Hello. Uh, joining us today, I see David. Elementary, my dear Data. There's Greg. What evil lurks in the heart of men? The shadow knows. I see Samaria. We're getting spooky today. There's Siobhan. I hate going last. You all have such great intros. <laughs> I'm just going to say hello. DW. Hey there. Hi there. Ho there. You're as welcome as can be. Is that scary? Yes. From, coming from you, that yeah. is terrifying. Oh, yeah. And joining us today from uh, from the Secret Island headquarters, the mothership, it's uh, Michael, one of our benefactors. Greetings from the Secret Island. Thank you, everyone, for having me. How, 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 how's the weather there on the Secret Island? It's uh, it's it's balmy and beautiful, but also a secret, so I can't tell you. Oh, <laughs> weather patterns might help you track it down. Right? Yeah, That's, yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. So, Michael, uh, you've got another podcast uh, within our network going on, the Lord of the Rings podcast. That's been uh, advertised here on our show a few times. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, my co-host and I, Jen, uh, we host the Watch Party Lord of the Rings podcast. Um, we have a long way to go until the Lord of the Rings show actually drops, So, uh, which we did not realize when we launched the podcast that we'd be uh, doing filler shows for about a year and a half or two years. Um, <laughs> but uh, we like to joke that we're actually glad that it's taken so much longer for the show to, to drop because once we got going, we found that there was so much we wanted to talk about. We, we got worried that we were going to run out of time uh before the, the show drops so we have a lot of fun just talking about lord of the rings we go really deep into it um and when the show drops we'll do kind of what y'all are doing and uh you know we'll talk about each episode shortly after it airs and we'll get into the lore and um you know we have a lot of things fun uh, fun things planned for when, when that drops um but until then jen and i have both been having a great time listening to all of you uh, uh, talk about Wheel of Time. Neither Janet or I have read Wheel of Time. I, I read Eye of the World years ago, but I, I don't count it because it was so long ago that I don't really remember any of the details. So um, we have been enjoying the show basically as newbies and been following your rules. Um, contrary to my normal desires, I don't Google anything. I, I don't uh, look at any wikis or anything like that. So the only thing that I know about Wheel of Time is what I see in the show and what I hear from all of you. And it's been uh, it's been a really fun experience. And I think you're all going to regret having me on because I've been dying to talk about this show with somebody for weeks and weeks. <laughs> yes, the show that likes talking about this show is going to hate having someone on that wants to talk about the show. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the reason I invited you to talk on the show with us today is uh, our subject today is the shadow. Uh, everything to do with the shadow, the dark one, shadow spawn, dark friends, you name it. If it's to do with the shadow, we're going to talk about it today. And I know you're interested in that, Michael, because uh, I think it was on the second episode you started sending me just question after question after question about the Trollocs. <laughs> I, I, and after that, I, f I felt guilty because I, I knew you were probably juggling inquiries from everybody. And I was like, I, I got I to stop bothering you and, and put a lid on it. I got to put the cork back in. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I actually loved it. But I was like, just wait. But we'll get to that in an episode. We will get to that, I guarantee. <laughs> and here, here we, we are, are at that episode. Um, I wanted to address a, a second thing you brought up there real quick. You said something about not look, not Googling for anything, not looking anywhere online. And I want to let everybody know that I found a spoiler-free wiki online 
Uh, I believe that that this is mostly put up by the Prime folks. Uh, it is uh, what-prime.fandom.com. That's w-o-t-prime.fandom.com. And it is wiki information for things in the show and only things that have been in the show without any book information, uh, but they do put in like the x-ray information and things like that. So they're, they're putting in the information that the showrunners want you to have. So if you want the spoiler free experience, but still want to dig in on the lore a little bit, that's a great place to go as well as obviously this podcast. So that being said, let's dive right into it. The shadow. What do we know about the shadow? DW. We know it's a source of evil connected to the Dark One and uh, has the ability to... I've got to figure that the creatures that come from the Shadow have some powers that the Shadow's giving them. It's got to have some source to it. Almost like this source that the Aes Sedai touch. Interesting thought. Uh, Anybody else have any thoughts? If there's light, there should be dark. It's the duality. That's what Pat and Fane so, so say. We see what will draw you to the shadow already, I think. <laughs> Wait, so does that mean since the light has a male and female aspect to it, does the shadow have a dual aspect to it as well? Ooh. Okay, so that's actually going to lead us right into the beginning of my, my lecture here. Um, great question. So the one power... Uh, the creator and the dark one are the only things that exist outside of the pattern. Everything else is, everything else is a part of the pattern. They exist outside of the pattern. The weavers of the pattern. The, the wheel itself is, is weaving the pattern. I guess it kind of exists outside the pattern, but kind of is the pattern at the same time. So Really, it's those three things, the the creator, the dark one, and the source of power are the three things that exist outside of the pattern and existed before the creator created the pattern. Now, is that anything that we know from the show directly, that the dark one or the shadow existed outside of the pattern? That is not something we know from the show directly. That is just part of the like basic religious lore of this land. When you say it's religious lore, is that true or is that sort of a in-universe theology that is believed by the Aes Sedai, but that we don't know whether or not it's true? That is a great question. I would say that this this is presented as truth as best we know by the scholars within this world. I like that because it seems like most of the book's um, information as it's being delivered to us seems to be coming from those Aes Sedai uh, books and from like it doesn't feel like we're seeing what is we're seeing a story being told to us. Oh, interesting, interesting take on that. Yeah, even that monologue at the end of the first episode that Moraine gives is very story esque. Yeah, very much so. Almost like she's telling the entire TV show story, which may have been again, as you mentioned early on in this series, uh, how much was borrowed from Tolkien, um, like the the idea that this is a story and that that book is being written. Like, is this being read to us from a book within the Aes Sedai library years afterwards kind of thing? A little like that theory on uh, Game of Thrones, that it was all of that was written by, uh, you know, the uh, ah, getting my fandoms oh, yeah, mixed up. Sam? Sam. Yeah, Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, 
Wasn't uh, the entire Lord of the Rings also written by Sam? Wasn't the Red <laughs> Book of Westmarch written by Sam? So it was, it was supposed to be um, Bilbo wrote the first book and Frodo and Sam, or uh, between them, wrote the, the books of the Lord of the Rings. The Hobbit, though, I believe is supposed to be written by Bill. I, I, I think we have a Lord of the Rings expert in the room that might be able to answer this. <laughs> Way more uh, Lord of the Rings knowledge in the room right there. No, I, you pretty much got it. Uh, it. We could go even deeper. So uh, The Hobbit and The Silmarillion, is, uh, which is also part of the, it's the first volume of the Red Book of Westmarch. It's Bilbo's translation. It's actually Tolkien's translation into English of Bilbo's translation into, you know, the common tongue of uh, the Elvish lore that he picked up in Rivendell. Um, and then you have Frodo set down the, the story of his travels in the Lord of the Rings and Sam finished the book at the very end. So what we're saying is all fantasy stories are just uh, stories written by the victor and, and they're really just propaganda. Yep. Well, I, I mean, yep. that's it, consistent. It makes sense. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Gollum doesn't get to write the book. He can't even write. To the victor goes the history. <laughs> yes. Oh. Uh, so getting into this, uh, obviously the the source of the shadow, the dark side, the the evil in this land, whatever you want to call it, is the dark one who exists outside of the pattern and has been uh, uh, forced to exist outside of the pattern by the creator at the moment of creation. Uh, the dark one cannot touch pattern directly without other intervention. Um, and the dark one for that reason has no physical form. The dark one is outside the pattern where there is no physical form. So, um, the dark one has many names, uh, father of lies, Lord of the grave, shepherd of night, Heartsbane, Soulsbane, Heartfang, Old Grim, The Dark One, Sightblinder, and The Dark One's true name. And Do we know that? You're gonna, if you think you're going to get me to say The Dark One's true name, you're going to have okay. to get up way earlier than that. <laughs> is it Jeff? <laughs> it, is it, is that Paul? Definitely is, is it like the... Okay, okay. I'm I'm I'll, I'll, does saying the name call the spirit? I, I, I will go ahead and just let you all know The Dark One's true name is Steve. <laughs> ah, so close. Sounds about right. And I got a few chuckles from you, but all of the all of the uh, online fandom is losing their mind right now. Okay. Yeah, that was not a joke for you. That was a joke for them. So going back to the one power and who can touch it and and how they touch it. So because the dark one is outside of the pattern, the dark one's not actually touching the one power the forces of the dark one are right um i'm not sure what you mean by touching the one power well so like uh dw was saying the forces of the dark have to get you know their power from somewhere they're they're obviously stronger in a way than other than a normal person so is that coming from the the one source is that coming from a different place how is it being touched how is it being channeled i I guess, how is that power being pushed into the real world? I'm going to um, just move on to the next thing and not answer that question. Oh. Thanks. 
<laughs> Sorry, that uh, we we would start getting into uh, too much deep theology that would get into spoilers if if we trace uh, that a little bit. Interesting, uh, Michael, you have something on that. So this might be another question that you can't answer, but it's yeah. kind of uh, related in some way. So you said that at the moment of creation, the Dark One was forced outside the pattern by the Creator, which yes, who I'm assuming is omniscient and more powerful than the Dark One, not like a yin yang equal sides of the coin type thing so uh um, well that's that's a a question of theology that is that has been debated okay as to as to whether the dark one and and the creator are opposites and equals or if the creator is greater than the dark one in some way you know this was literally a plot point in supernatural for a season i would just like to throw that in <laughs> <laughs> the answer that supernatural came to is that they one cannot exist without the other they are equally powerful but god knocked his sister out sister is you know the dark one it's a whole thing but i would just like to say there's there's one part of you know that there's an argument there so if if the dark one has been forced outside the pattern at the moment of creation and you said he the dark one cannot uh touch the pattern or be brought back in outside of some sort of intervention from other forces how then did anybody within the world ever know the dark one existed and think to bring the dark one inside the pattern and how did that get accomplished originally maybe that's like an origin story we're not supposed to know yet but i'm really curious moving on (laughs) (laughs) going back to not answering questions uh so uh the dark one i'm going to say uh um the Dark One's whole promise is when free, he will remake the world as he sees fit and, and he will give his, his followers immortality. And, and that's kind of where, why people would want to help him come into the world. Um, I'm not going to give you any more answer than that because we, I don't want to get into spoiler territory and that is getting dangerously close to spoiler territory. So he, he can't interact directly with the pattern, but he can evidently communicate with people who are in the pattern and they can act on his behalf. He, he, yes, more or less. Yes. Something, something to that effect. Agent provocateur kind of thing. Um, so the forsaken, we're going to move right on to the forsaken. You start with the dark one. Who's kind of the head muckety muck, the, the, the head deity in charge as it were. Um, under the Dark One, you have the Forsaken. Uh, these are channelers who, in the Age of Legends, pledged themselves body and soul to the Dark One. Um, he has promised them positions of power and authority when he remakes the world. He has promised them immortality. Um, yeah, that's that's who the Forsaken are. So would this be like Sith level or Palpatine level? Uh, yes, uh. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a hierarchy within, I would say. Okay. Too many forsaken for them to be a Sith. You can you'll only have two. The, 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 he has you a, have a point. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking at the, the picture you posted of all those little figurines and there's eight of them. Yes. And one of them is the dark one himself. Okay. So I was going to bring those, those eight up. Um, thank you for, for getting us there. Um, 
those eight statues, I, I believe I know what eight Forsaken those are. In the books, there are 13 Forsaken because, of course, there are 13 Forsaken because 13 is the number of evil people that you have when you write a book. That's Prime just, evil, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. Oh, boy. A math joke. Come on. <laughs> Can a I math joke. Math I understand. Joke? That's even worse. <laughs> Uh, so I, I, we only saw eight uh, carvings there on on of Stepan's little uh, action figure set of the Forsaken. Um, I don't know if that means maybe he lost some carvings, maybe he didn't collect the whole set yet, or maybe they are just trimming it down to eight Forsaken. Which well, if some they of them do, were limited edition and they're harder to find, and they, <laughs> yeah. most of the stores around them charging way too much for them. It's ridiculous. Yeah, you're, you're looking for that gold chase figure, and it's. You know, well, yep. and he was only in the third release. Like he didn't even get yeah, released yeah. in the first two. Got to catch them all. So, so I'm thinking they they are probably just shrinking it down to eight Forsaken, just because thirteen is a lot lot of uh, names to keep track of. Eight is less names to keep track of, kind of thing. Are we actually going um, to learn more about them in the course of the story? Um, are yes. they just like background figures, or they actually take part in the plot? Um. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I would say. I would say. I would tell. Like I said, these are are uh, characters from the Age of Legends, and as we've seen, uh, they are not shying away from from showing us the Age of Legends. So. So there's there's something to be found there. Um, the the eight that I could pick out there, uh, the first one in that photo is uh, most likely Mogedian. Uh, that is an old tongue word for spider. Uh, the second one there is Semarag, um, which is an old tongue word for cruelty. Uh, there is a, a statement uh, that's that. Uh, kind of a wives' tale that goes around in the world. Uh, people will say, when rain falls and the sun is shining, that's when the dark one is beating Semarok. Oh, the devil's beating not his a wife. Similar thing in the south. Not not a great little wives' tale, but yeah, yeah. We've we, we've heard similar wives' tales, so it, it's just an interesting thing. Um, the next one in that picture, I think this is the one, Greg, that you said looked like a Wookiee. Yes, a yeah. short Wookiee. Yeah, that uh, is most definitely Samael. Um, we do not know what Samael meant in the old tongue, if it meant anything in the old tongue. Uh, the next one, uh, pilot perhaps <laughs> sidekick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the next one, uh, that would be, uh, Ishamael as, as we've already discussed is kind of the stand in for the dark one is, is the, the dark one avatar as it were. Um, Ishamael means betrayer of hope in the old tongue. Um, the next one we see there is Lanfear. Um, and in the old tongue, that meant daughter of night. Um, the, the wives tale told about Lanfear is, uh, that she will come for, for naughty little children if they don't go to bed. So every parent's best friend. Boogie yeah. woman. There you go. Um, that the next one that we see there, I believe is Asmodian. Um, Asmodian is known to be connected to music in some way, um, and that that one is carrying a guitar, so pretty sure that would be Asmodian. Uh, the next to last one looks like Demandred to me. Um, Demandred is is uh, an old tongue term meaning jealousy and pride. 
a little bit of a uh, juggernaut helmet kind of thing going on. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is Grandall, uh, which is old tongue for vessel of pleasure. I'm feeling some process. like seven deadly sin vibes going on here. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I are they used as a warning to kids? They, they very much are used as a warning to kids. Mm. And um, I think this is the point where I'll point out these characters that I just brought up existed through. 3,500 years ago. That's a long time ago. Most people now don't believe that they're real. I mean, do we believe that, that you know, the, the, the people that were, or that mythological people told about in a civilization 3,000 years ago are real? Most of the time, no, unless we have archaeological evidence. So most of these people don't, don't believe that the Forsaken are real, or maybe not even believe that the Dark One is real. Because especially in the world right now, in, in the series, they've had about 900 years of relative peace with very little shadow spawn action at all, except in the borderlands. So I would think a lot of people, when they're telling their, their children these stories about the Forsaken, saying, you know, Lanfear will come for little, little boys and girls that don't go to bed on time. You know, that's like saying Rip Van Winkle's going to come take you if you don't do your thing, you know. None of us believe Rip Van Winkle's going to show up, right? No, but I'm not going to lie. Like, I did not like Rip Van Winkle in English because it gave me bad dreams for a little while there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure if somebody pulled out one of the old stories and told it to the uninitiated, that would happen also. Oh, come on. Sometimes if you just tell the actual versions of what we use as, you know, fairy tales now for kids, some of those are horrific. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And one thing, one thing, one more thing about the, those those photos, um, the uh, the pleasure one. What does it say about stepping that it looks like the the breasts are nicely polished? I think it maybe says something about <laughs> something about stepping that uh, he may not be willing to uh, to admit. I, uh, I, 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 a lot of attention on that area. Yeah, uh, everything else looks on. a little dingy and dirty, but those are shiny. <laughs> so, uh, moving on, as I was saying about. Uh, yeah, we can, you can't most, answer that question because that'd be spoilers. Yeah, right. Mo- most people necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> Most people not necessarily believing uh, uh, in in the Dark One or the Forsaken, um, other than just, you know, myths from a long time ago. Uh, this brings us to Dark Friends. Um, and Dark Friends are, as we know, people who pledge themselves to the Dark One uh, for promises of great rewards. It's fairly simple. We, we It's tale as old as time. Um, but Real like quick I was on saying, that thought, I have a question, uh-huh. uh, and I, I don't think this will enter into spoiler territory, but I'm curious, would it be safe to say, since the way you described it, the these Forsaken are ones that pledged themselves in the Age of Legend, were mm-hmm. they dark friends then and have become Forsaken because it's transferred? Like, it, it, like do the dark friends now hope to be force added to the Forsaken batch for whatever the next age is kind of thing? Or, um. I mean, yes, they did just start out as as dark friends. Um, they're pretty much the the dark friends who rose all the way through the ranks to become kind of the top thirteen, as it were. So, so that's kind of part of the hope of maybe somebody who goes dark friend is, hey, maybe maybe I'll get up to a forsaken level. 
I mean, I, I will say if you want to be forsaken level, you have to be a, a, you know, top 0.1% tier channeler if you're going to get that far, but okay. yeah, people oh, might. Yeah. Why am I getting strong political party slash Scientology vibes out of that? Yeah. Uh, anyway, like moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Super donors, That's, OT clear. Uh, I don't know. That's not always the motivation, though. I mean, the show gave us Dana's entire motivation for why she was a dark friend. And, and it wasn't that. It was basically, I want to be remembered. I know everything is going to end in my terms. And I want the dark one to stop the wheel turning. But then also I want to be remembered going forward after and I'm think, gone. Yes. And I think to a certain extent, who's remembered more than the forsaken? If you're hoping to be remembered... Man, be a forsaken. You will yeah. be remembered. Right. There's 3,500 year old action figures. Exclusive. Yeah. I don't think those are mutually exclusive. I don't think she wanted to be immortal, though. But she mentioned Ishmael by name. She said the last time Ishmael is the one who brought the dragon to the to the dark one, and this time it's going to be me. So I see that as some self, you know self-promotion where she's kind of like yes i get to be one of the top remembered top influential people in the new regime hmm. mortalized yes i'm not sure she wanted to be immortal though right it's it's interesting because i did not pick up on her wanting to be immortalized in any way what i picked up on from her was she wanted it all to end she said the dark one will end the, will break the wheel end the pattern and none of us will ever be reborn again, which is what I want because life is pain and pain sucks. That's what Some I heard men just too. want to watch the world burn. Exactly. Burn, but for a good cause. Yeah. Good, good end quotes, of course. Righteous which, burning. Which, see, see, I think that was the party line as opposed to what she really wanted. I, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. No, no, I, I think that was very that internal. from the heart. And, and I want to actually just use that to bring up this next uh next item um i i went into one of my uh, uh facebook groups and asked for a little bit of help with show prep for this episode just to get get a few other ideas from people and uh, uh, a person named eugene uh came up with this uh so thank you eugene um I was talking about various reasons for joining the dark and bringing that up to you all to to there's something to chew on. Um, the reasons he brought up with brought up are, you know, your basic mustache twirlers, you know, just the mwahaha, I'm evil. Um, then you've got people who are power hungry. Uh, you've got people who are selfish. You've got people who are bored. You've got people who are responding to injustice in any way they, they can see how. Um, there are people who are coerced. There are people who are turned. And there are people who are, like Dana, in pain and just want the pain, the suffering to stop. And I think we saw a, f a, a couple of those in the show. Um, does anybody have any thoughts on that? I'm interested in the motivation you mentioned that they see injustice and they want to end injustice any way they know how, which suggests that they, those people have been led to believe that the, the shadow and the dark one is a path to, to end injustice and to end bad things. Path to righteousness. Yeah. yeah. So, so is there, I mean, do these people believe they are on the side of good, on the side of right? And it's just that their perspective is just the polar opposite of the the characters that 
we view as protagonists, but they have their own sort of righteous ideology. Well, I mean, I would say that the the dark would have that type of person just as much as the light does, because is is that not what the children of the light are in in mm-hmm. many cases? They think that they are the absolute truth. They think that they are on the absolute side of good, and most other people look at them and say, no. Uh-uh. That's the Thanos was right argument, right? His motivations may be perfectly for good, but using it evil ways to get there. And and that was something that Eugene brought up um, is the, the fact that in this world, you've got so many motivations just to be on the bad guy side. But if you look on the good guy side, there are just as many motivations and some of them are incredibly shitty. And, and, you know, it creates this whole, even though this, this show is about a dichotomy between light and dark, good and evil, right and wrong, it creates all of these shades of gray in between. And, and it's not just a very, not, it's not as clean cut as, as it pretends to be. Hmm. Well, it's interesting to hear you say that because that's definitely the sense. You don't get that sense through every episode of the show until the last episode, I I think, when you sort of see you get to hear from Pat and Fane for the first time in any sort of extended way where he sort of talks about that they have a plan in place and you really start to think, you know, up until then you've seen Trollocs, which are mindless beasts, obviously evil, um, or at least we're led to believe that. Um, the Eyeless are super gross, so obviously we're supposed to think they're evil. I mean, we've, <laughs> we've seen nothing to indicate there's any redemptive quality to any of the Dark One's followers in any way. We've heard from nobody other than, you know, the ICI and everybody in the show, basically dark one evil. Uh, but then you hear Pat and Fane talk and, and he's, he's a guy like any other, um, but he has different motivations. He's got an agenda and there's, there's complexity behind there that we haven't seen yet. And you know, the way that the show ended uh, basically turning everything on its head and it's like this, this epic story you thought was reaching its conclusion is actually just beginning. Um, it's telling us we're going to go in a totally different direction here. And there's way more layers to this onion to peel back. So um, I'm really glad to hear you say that we're going to get more of that. Um, that that wasn't just sort of like a, a faint or a, a yeah. deep fake, you know, that we're actually going to see more to the dark one in the shadow. So now I'm wondering which category Pat and Fane actually falls under. Because my vote is for that. He's bored. Mm-hmm. He, he does have that agent of chaos vibe, right? I could see him twirling a mustache, though. About, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll buy that category, balance. too. You know, I think yeah, he is bored. Yeah. He's doing it just, like, at least partially just for kicks. Um, but also, I think, you know, he spent a, about five minutes talking about, you know, to Perrin how, you, like, the light cannot exist without the dark, and so the dark needs to exist. And someone has to make sure that, you know, it has its place in the world and why not him? You know, why not Perrin? And I don't know what category that might fall into. Um, but, you know, Penn and Fane's like, well, you know, why not me? I, I, you know, I have nothing like morally or ethically, you know, against the dark one. So, hey, let's go. Hey, interesting thoughts. Any other thoughts on Dark Friends before I move on to Trollocs? I think I think Siobhan is kind of vibrating, wanting to get to <laughs> I think we should uh, talk about something else for a minute just to watch Siobhan vibrate. No. Uh, so Trollocs. 
<laughs> mean. Um, first of all, I brought this up in pre-production. Uh, my my spell check on this Turangrial that I, I use uh, does not recognize the word trollic. So uh, my notes all just say trollops everywhere, which is entirely <laughs> too Those <funny>. whores. <laughs> <laughs> We don't know what they do to their victims. We should not assume. <laughs> as, as you said earlier, DW, the trollop attack on two rivers has a whole different connotation. But you yeah. know it's on YouTube yeah. somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it'd be allowed on YouTube. You you're know, right. You're right. It has to be on one of the more, more uh, upscale sites. Nynaeve has some upscale. trauma that we, we don't want to dive right. into in her past <laughs> oh, now. Oh, Yeah. This episode is brought to you by 4 Cats Boutique on Etsy. That's the number four and cats with a K. Katie and Jordan have some awesome art they would love for you all to check out. They have custom bookmarks, prints, and even these beautiful book page posters that have passages from some of our favorite fantasy series like The Lord of the Rings, A Song of Ice and Fire, and of course, The Wheel of Time. You all really should check out 4 Cats Boutique on Etsy and get yourself some bookmarks and amazing artwork. That's the number four and cats with a K. 4 Cats Boutique on Etsy. Hi, I'm Dr. Pengalod. What seems to be ailing you today? Doc, it's the strangest thing. Every night after I've gone to bed, just as I start to drift off, I start yelling out strange words like Shire, Frodo, and Gollum. Last night I even yelled Mordor. I really don't know what to do. Ah, yes. I've been seeing this a lot lately. What you're experiencing is called Tolkien in your sleep. It's caused by an acute Lord of the Rings deficiency. Tolkien in my sleep? Oh no, that sounds serious. Don't worry, don't worry. It, it's really common right now. It can be treated with a very simple prescription. Here, take this. It's called Watch Party Lord of the Rings. Watch Party Lord of the Rings? It's a great podcast where they talk about everything related to Lord of the Rings. They go deep into the lore, talk about the film trilogy, old cartoon adaptations, and Amazon's Lord of the Rings series. Listen to it once a week and you'll stop Tolkien in your sleep in no time. Side effects of Watch Party Lord of the Rings may include happiness, giggling, merrymaking, jollification, witty banter, inner peace, enlightenment, and excessive Tolkien while awake. Caution, Watch Party Lord of the Rings may be addictive. All right. Um, so, Trollocs. I'm just going to open the floor for a minute. Just what do we know about Trollocs? They're a mixture of animal and human DNA. Um, mostly mindless, although they have the base instincts of hunger, fear. Um, Reproduction. Related to, to the Fade. You were saying that the Fade are kind of like an earlier version and that the Fade can control them. Like the Fade is a, is a, is kind of a mutation of the of the Trolloc. Yeah. yeah. You, you had a point, Michael? Yeah, I was just going to say, I learned this from the last episode, that the Trollocs live primarily in the Blight, or did for a long time. Yes. Um, it took a few tries to figure Trollocs out. Like, they didn't get it right the first time creating Trollocs. And that's kind of my feeling is that they are, they seem experimental. They seem experimental gone wrong, but maybe gone right to whatever the function of the person doing it was. Very, very horror movie-esque. So my question now is given that you said that the Dark One does not have direct influences, who is running those breeding experiments? Okay. So the Trollocs came about during the War of the Shadow, which was the war that ended the Age of Legends. Um, as, as the dark one, his touch on the world became stronger as, as he gained more followers, um, they decided they needed armies and, uh, they created armies and they used 
genetic material that was laying around to create those armies. And that's kind of where the Trollocs came from. Um, and they realized that, you know, I, I don't know that this is canon, but I'm going to say that that uh, they realized that creating them in a laboratory or ma magical laboratory or whatever, however that it is that they created them is a pain in the butt. And they probably created the first batch and then sent them off to breed because they do have breeding populations. They aren't still created in labs. So they probably just created them once and then sent them off to create themselves. That's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm reminded of the old line about how somebody was a specialist in animal husbandry until they caught him at it. <laughs> Yikes. Wasn't that one of the British prime ministers? Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wasn't that an episode of Black Mirror? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Uh, anyway, moving on, on our, uh, black mirror episode here, um, the Trollocs, uh, yeah. So they were, they were created during the, the war of the shadow. They have their own breeding population. Um, they were created mostly from, um, known aggressive and predatory type creatures. So things like wolves, boars, lions, tigers, uh, and bears, and oh hawks. My. I'm sorry. What was that? Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. So, you know, anything that might be kind of vicious and they, they threw it in there. Um, Trollocs, uh, you'll be surprised to learn, uh, have language. They, they do have their own language, their own, uh, written language and spoken language. Um, we, in the books, we actually hear one Trolloc talk, and that is the Trolloc that attacks Tam and Rand at, at the very beginning. We never hear another Trolloc talk throughout the entire books. So I think that may have been something that Robert Jordan was like, eh, that's actually kind of corny. I'm going to not do that anymore. But, so I think that's why it was left out of the show. But Trollocs do talk. Um, they don't actually talk uh, human language, but they do talk. That is sh totally shocking to me. Just based on what we've seen of Trollocs, yeah. And how do how do we know if we only see uh, if you you said you only see one Trolloc talk in the books? How do we know that they have written language? Do you come across like you know an old Trolloc diary? Um, I mean, are, are there Trolloc blogs? How are people finding out the Trollocs? <laughs> so, <laughs> right. uh, so first of all, uh, people who live in the Borderlands know a lot more about Trollocs because they've actually been fighting Trollocs for a long time. So people like Lan know this information. Um, cause he's fought Trollocs, seen Trollocs, been dealing with Trollocs his whole life. Um, second of all, do you remember when they were walking through the ways? The and defaced, they got, uh, and they got to the defaced way post at, and it had been defaced so that they couldn't find their way. But the defacement upon that was actually Trolloc tongue to tell the Trollocs where to go. Ooh. Oh, mm. okay. Did Loyal keep that to himself? Makes sense. So they, they've been traveling through the waves and, well, they'd need their own navigation too. Yeah. And, and Land did say that in, in the show. He, you know, once he saw the Trolloc script on the, the waypost, he said, ah, oh, this is how they got to, min to the two rivers without anybody seeing them. Mm -hmm. So. Mm. Oh, I thought he was just referring to the ways in general. Interesting. So if I remember right, the, the Trolloc script, I mean, it, it looked just kind of like defacement, like um, like slashes. It was very violent. Uh, am I yeah. right in assuming that their language, both written and spoken, is 
kind of reflective of their savage natures. I mean, when they talk, are they basically just screaming at each other? And yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, we don't hear Trollocs really talking to each other at all in the books. I don't know if they'll show that in the show, other than you know, kind of screaming noises. But um, I will tell you a few Trolloc words because uh, as we're talking about the Trollocs here, so Trollocs are grouped in different ways. First of all, you've got a fist of Trollocs. That is is kind of uh, the 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 smallest group of Trollocs that you have. A fist is about one hundred to two hundred Trollocs and one Mirdral. Yeah, I think DW and I have the same thoughts here. We're both like, hmm? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you both are trying not to tell a joke, and I can I can hear that joke, and yeah, don't tell that yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do think mine was not probably because it was not as obvious, but uh, I think we may have had two jokes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so the Trollocs, like I said, uh, they they have a, a a grouping which is called a fist. Uh, that's between one hundred and two hundred Trollocs. One mere draw will be over one fist of Trollocs, um, kind of as their 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 captain of that particular unit. Um, that is a great name. And then uh, beyond that, uh, Trollocs all belong to different bands. There are different kind of tribes within the Trollocs, as it were. Again, um, DW and I, we get the same. <laughs> I'm just picturing it's a Trolloc Backstreet Boys. <laughs> oh, no, no. I was going more garage bands. They're they're doing some metal. You know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Slayer would be a little more obvious, but, you know, Backstreet Boys, that's the real evil. And uh, I, I was not sure if I was going to go into uh, the Trolloc bands, but I found out that, that Amazon actually released that information also. So it's not something they're trying to keep hidden. So I'll go ahead and bring it up. Okay. Um, so the name of the bands that they're using in the show, uh, first of all, there's the Afraid, uh, which translates to strong wind in the old tongue. Uh, their, their symbol is a silver whirlwind. There's the Agahul. Uh, which translates to soulless. I'm sorry, th these are not the old tongue. These are a trollic tongue. Um, Algahol, which means soulless. Uh, their, their symbol is a hooked axe. There are the Banashin, which are bringers of annihilation. Their symbol is a dagger-pierced skull. So very, very... Uh, Swedish metal. The, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, these Trolloc bands are very much <laughs> black metal bands, I'm thinking. Um, so in, in seriousness, though, the question that comes to my mind is, are the Trollocs naming the bands themselves, or are the Fade, who are also Trolloc-related and speak Trolloc, the ones that are coming up with the names? I'm curious on that front. I don't know that the, that we have an answer to that question. Huh, interesting. I, I, I don't know that anybody has traveled into the Blight to the Trolloc training camps to to observe them and no, try to No interviews with a Fade? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think Anne Rice got around to writing that. Book. <laughs> <laughs> so are the, are the bands related to what animals were used to create them? Um, I don't think so. It never says that straight out. And it seems from what I've read that the Trolloc that comes out is not necessarily going to look like the, the Trolloc it came out of, if that makes sense. So it, it's like the genetic material is all just kind of so showing up at random. So a and a, yeah. a bull trollic can get together and make a disgusting baby that looks nothing like either of them. Platypus yes, trollic. I think, I think the, uh, <laughs> that would be the scariest freaking one. I would like to see barb it. in the back of its elbow. Um, now the the uh, interesting thing that I was thinking when you were asking that question, Siobhan, was um, 
does the group that attacked two rivers, which showed so many different animal varieties, that would be one band though, right? Yeah. That, that's okay. that's probably I mean that's one that was one fist of Trollocs because we saw one one mirror draw there so there's only one mirror draw to the fist. But do one we ranger, know? One riot. Do we know what band that fist came from? Which is a weird sentence. We... <laughs> 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 but a completely accurate um, sentence <laughs> in in the books. Uh, Land discovers what bands some of the Trollocs came from because he he goes off and kills a few in the woods and comes back with their badges and says, oh, well, there's some Davil and some Bansheen and yada, yada, yada out okay. there, but doesn't get much more into it than that. Um, I do have a few more Trolloc bands to get through. Uh, we've got the the Dachaimon, the Dachavol, the Dachshinen, the Garkrehel. The Gachoblin, the Gachrenlin, the Kobal, and the Knoman. And I tried to uh, make my pronunciations hard enough that you couldn't hear through them, but I think some of you might have. Uh, One yes. I got through. Yes. One or two. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to pronounce these uh, not like a Trolloc. Um, so the, we've got the Afrit, the Algol, the Bansheen. The Daimon, the Davol, the Jinnin, the Gargale, the Goblin, the Gremlin, the Kobal, and the Noman. Hmm. Nice, nice. I'm I'm curious how much from the the our world versions of some of those words are going to be drawn on for when those when we see those Trollocs. Um, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I don't think much. I think he just really was looking when he was looking for Trolloc names, he was like, I'm going to go through mythology and find some, you know, mythological, scary things and turn and, you know, throw a few, uh, apostrophes and, and extra letters in their names and, and turn them into Trolloc bands and, and, you know, speak it in a Klingon accent and no one will notice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, as we know, Trollocs are linked to the, the Mirdral. Mirdral, as I, I said previously, are throwbacks. Um, they, they are birthed from Trolloc mothers, but they are throwbacks to more pure human stock. And these were an accident. They weren't, th this wasn't something that, that was put there on purpose, but it turned out to be a solution to a problem that they had because Trollocs on their own are pretty much uncontrollable and just want to, as I said, eat and, and have sex and, and sleep and not be eaten pretty much. So maybe I'm a Trolloc. <laughs> Those are pretty normal desires. Yeah. So, uh, it was discovered that the Mirdral could control the Trollocs. And so this was a, a, problem that that provided its own solution um and so are mere draws raised amongst trollocs or are they like taken away and raised elsewhere by something else or someone else um again i don't think that there have been any uh um trips into the blight to observe trolloc schools oh. <laughs> Or anything? No urban um, planners observing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I don't think David Attenborough ever did any any 
Jane Goodall joins the ice and She'd make a really good one. I think so too. <laughs> she has to live among them, though. That would be interesting. Um, and uh, I just noticed this in my notes, and I'm going to have to say it now. Uh, the the Mirdral, um I all asked you earlier, uh, uh, not during the show, uh, if you knew what that word was when I typed it out, and several of you were like, well, uh, no, um, because it's not spelled like you would expect. It's M-Y-R-D-D-R-A-A-L. Um, and the note I put was spelled with two D's for a double dose of D's eyes that ain't there and two A's for, <laughs> ah! <laughs> well, they teach the, the kids in school, you know, that's, how to spell. Yeah. That's better than some of the other uh, remembering methods. I like it. <laughs> so, uh, so that begs the oh. question, if the Mirdral's birth is such a random occurrence, how do they truly control the Trollocs if they don't get enough Mirdral during a period of time or they get too many or whatever the case may be? I guess it would be a self-controlling population because they're all killing each yeah. other, but I mean, kind of sucks to be the dark side if you don't have enough generals it, for it, the it, army. It's the circle of life. You know, you, you get too many rabbits and, and the coyotes then, you know, get to feast for a while and then the coyotes kill off too many rabbits and the coyotes starve off. It's kind of the same thing, you know, it's just the circle of life. Well, do we know how long lived these things are? Because if they're, if the fades have a long enough lifespan, and the trollocs are the ones that are doing most of the frontline fighting, you would end up with enough mirror to control yeah. as many trollocs as you have, right? Yeah, you, you know, I've, I'm not going to try to do the math. I don't know. It's it's a wizard did it. Let's let's go there. I, I can just see the the Forsakens, you know, generals conference over the the map of the world, and they're pushing the little characters. Guys, we got a resource problem with the mirror draws. We 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 got to birth more. We got to birth more. We need we need <laughs> we need more chance of having mirror draw here. And we know Trollocs will eat each other. So right. there's yeah. your side. don't know that Trolloc husbandry is something anyone wants to go <laughs> no. into. No. 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 No, that was a one-time thing, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the Mirdral in the book are a little bit different than they show up in the show. Um, in the book, first of all, they're indistinguishable from one another. They look like they all came out of the exact same mold. Like you look at, at three Mirdrals standing next to each other and you could not tell the difference between them. Um, in the book, they are much more human than they are in the show. Um, they're just described as pretty much a tall man, about 6'2", with just completely pale, slug-like complexion, no eyes, just a smooth expanse from cheeks to, to the top of their hairline. And then they all have long, straight, greasy black hair, you know, like Snape or something. Um, and they all wear overlapping, scaled armor and... They all have a cloak that is not touched by the wind, which I understand why they left out of the show, because that would be a pain in the ass to have to have a CG artist go in and put your cloak on your mirror draw every time they show up. I do want to see the armor, though. Is it a tangible cloak? I assume uh, not. Yes, it is a tangible cloak. I would say also, though, it, flowing a cloak in the wind is one of uh, you know filmmakers' favorite things to do. Right. Yeah. You, you it, could do a slow motion flap of a cloak, and the, the, the 
person making is like, yes, that's the shot I want. Yeah, it would look wrong if it just sat there. It would look like bad CGI. They didn't have the wind machine going. What were they thinking? (laughs) (laughs) Though I will say, if everything else was flowing and that one thing wasn't, that might be disturbing enough. And interestingly enough, not something you would automatically pick up on. So it would just be disturbing to an aspect of the back of your mind. And, And that's how it was approached in the books is, you know, somebody would be looking at this thing that they thought was a person and then suddenly realize that the, you know, all the trees are flapping and their cloak is not moving. And then all of a sudden it's like terrified, you know. Which, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a hell no. I'm yeah. gone. I'm just walking away. <laughs> we we were discussing this before the show started. Like, I think that the the showrunners have enough um, scary looking elements from their version of the mirror draw that they didn't have to have that stuff. And that might be a reason why they went away from having the man like look is they could flash you know this thing and you're immediately scared by it but then you also don't have to add these kind of eerie elements that the book did because you now have that look on their face where you know it's an otherworldly kind of evil scary creature at a first glance the giant mouthful of teeth is a little bit easier to render than the cloak (laughs) than the cloak Yeah. yeah yeah And also, it may it may have come down to a budgeting decision. There may be another aspect of the show that they're kind of like, okay, look, you can either have the shadow in Shigar uh, Lagoth look really creepy, or they can they're close. You can't have both. Right. We don't have the time. We don't have the money to do both. So we don't even know what decision. It may have been something they proposed originally and just had to cut. Yeah, and something else that we brought up in in the pre meeting, um, if they had gone with a more human looking mirror drawl, I I really think that just you know. Having that that smooth plane over the over where the eye socket should be would just have created a very uh, um, oh what's the term I was just thinking of uh, uh, uncanny valley right yeah experience and, and people would look at that and they'd get pulled out because of the uncanny valleyness of it and I think that pushing it past that and just into straight monster mm-hmm. works a lot better because you you can just avoid all that uncanny valley weirdness yeah yeah they may have even tested both and early on and like, nope, nope, we're not doing that one. Well, and it it kind of has fantasy callbacks too, because like I also, I was mentioning earlier, it, it really gives me that creepy vibe that I got the first time I saw the mouth of Sauron in the Lord of the Rings. Like the teeth are kind of very similar in how they're pointed and, and not don't line up. They're really jagged, that sort of thing. So it does kind of pull you in as a fantasy person that this is a fantasy world you have a fantasy monster here yeah and that that sort of style of jagged teeth that goes all the way back to nosferatu you know that that goes all the way back to the early days of silent film yeah Yeah. and also with the like they've got that really kind of slimy looking skin you get the immediate ick factor as well Mm -hmm. yeah i thought i thought they did a really good job of making those things look really disturbing yeah Yeah, they look like you just lifted up a rock and it crawled out from underneath it Lifted up a trollic and it crawled out from underneath. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what happened. Ew. Yeah, as you so, said, that is pretty much what happened. So, a little bit uh, more book knowledge about them. Um, they are said to move with a very sinuous grace that's very serpentine like, um, which, when I was reading the book, just made me think that they were all Axel Rose. Just <laughs> <laughs> But they, they're they're very fast, very quick, and they move in ways that seem slightly unnatural, which is kind of the serpentine 
move that they're talking about. Wrong number uh, of bones. <laughs> very much so. It may not even be bones as far as we know. Let's see what other stuff. Oh, that's right. Uh, we covered this in the episode. Uh, fades can travel through shadows. Um, we saw that when the Fade attacked them in the farmhouse, the Fade stepped back into the shadow at the top of the, the balcony and then stepped out of the shadow at the bottom of the stairs. Right. And when the when there was the attack at uh, uh, um, the end of the- Faldara? Faldara, yeah. Um, the, the, the sister of the leader was saying, you know, light every torch. There will be no shadows for yeah. the Fades to, to find us, you know. Again, because yeah. the Shadowlands knows more about these creatures than everybody else does. I guess that, that begs a question, and it may not be something that's been answered. Do the shadows have to connect to one another? Do they have to be within visual range of the fade? Like, how how does that work uh, from a physical sense? I know how it works in the book. I Well, well... I don't know how it works. I know to what extent it works in the book. I don't know how they're going to do that in the show, though, so I'm going to not commit to anything with that. Um, I, you know, In the show, we saw it kind of step into and out of the same shadow or connected shadows, as it were, so I'm, I'm going to go with that for now. I think a safe bet is uh, those that have tried to study it have not survived. Uh, <laughs> which is actually something that is stated in the book, so... Yeah, oh, and gotcha. I would okay. expect that if the shadows are connected, then they have a physical connection and they can move through them. But it wouldn't yeah, make sense um, to be able to jump across non-shadow space into another sh- shadow. Unless you make it something similar to the ring, where once the ring is on, you're in almost a different world. So then moving and you just can only, they become portals to that other world that is kind of like out of um, phase with ours. There are ways, there are ways. Yeah, and I got right. a picture of like Looney Tunes characters, like, you know, tiptoeing behind trees and then they come out from behind another tree kind of thing. It's, and, and, it's also interesting where these fades are kind of a genetic mistake of the Trolloc breeding program. Where does this ability come from? Is it, it's like the humans yeah. don't have that ability. The animals don't have that ability. Why does mixing them create this ability somehow? It's uh, a little interesting. DNA. It's raccoon DNA. <laughs> 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 little nocturnal sneaky guys. Yeah, nah, it's raccoons. Do they have any other supernatural abilities? Uh, they do, but before I get to those... Um... I want, well, well, I guess this is actually something of an ability, not really, but this will possibly inform your point, DW. Um, when they stand in front of a mirror, all that is reflected is kind of a misty, vague form. Oh, okay, vampires. Yeah, all back right. to Nosferatu. <laughs> so, um, yeah, all, all that's reflected yeah. is misty, vague form, I think. Did we see any of that in the series? That did no, not no, happen in the no, series. No. Okay. I, I just was curious if we'd touched. Honestly, I don't recall that even happening anywhere in the book. That's just knowledge that people have. Copy um, that. Which, Copy which that. may or may not be a wives tale. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but I think that in, in conjunction with the book knowledge that their, their cloaks don't move kind of says that maybe they are slightly out of phase with reality in a way. Mm. Moving on the and, astral plane kind of thing. Oh, well, yeah. it would make sense if they have a connection with the Dark One that possibly the Dark One has kind of pulled them partially out of reality to have that connection. 
and that's the, well, the, they kind of exist almost in both realms, both in inside the weave and outside the weave at the same time. Well, they were they were initially created by channelers, so the channelers did something mm-hmm. to them when they merged that DNA. That means they still have some of the source power in them. Yeah, it's not necessarily just human and animal. We're talking channeler human. Yeah. And are there channeler? Right. So it's a little bit mystic in the first place. Oh, I don't like that. The human DNA. (laughs) Uh, I could tell you that, but you don't want to hear it. (laughs) That's probably true. Um, We'd lose respect for somebody. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, a little bit more on the the fades. Um, as I've said previously, um, fades control a fist of Trollocs, um, and they generally just control them through fears. I've said before the the look of the eyeless is fear. Uh, they they cause just pants shitting, stand still in in your spot fear if they stare at you. So the and, Trollocs and, feel that too. Yeah. The Trollocs also feel that. Which again and says that's, a lot that's about how they can, And that's very much how they control the Trollocs. But there's another way they can tr- control the Trollocs, which is they can actually form a mental link with that fist of Trollocs, which means that they can then actually v- pretty much command each Trolloc to do what it wants it to do. So if, 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 if they just need, you know, a bunch of Trollocs to go at a, at a fortification and kill whatever they find, they can just say, go over there and kill what you find. If they want them to go, say, into the true rivers and find some specific people and pull them out and not kill them, that tr- that fate is going to need to mentally connect to those Trollocs and kind of help guide them as they're going and, and give them direction. So that is something that a fade can do, but it has a downside. If you kill that fade, any Trolloc that is attached to it in that way will also die. Okay. And is that a permanent connection or a temporary connection? Like uh, I'm connecting uh, with this Trolloc for the next 10 minutes and then I'll release that Trolloc and attach to another Trolloc. The the answer to that is unclear. I, I do not have an answer to that. Those very lost boys kill the head vampire and all the others die. Yeah, I mean, other than the fact that you have to be a fade, that kind of sounds like cool. You know, you got to live with Trollocs, but here's the upside, you know, you don't have to see them scary, powerful, and you can go (laughs) like between shadows and you can control Trollocs. I'd be like, you know what? Okay. This is not the worst lot in life. It would solve the roommate who doesn't do the dishes when it's his turn. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I know they don't have eyes, but do they have noses? They have to smell the Trollocs. Yeah, I would say the same. book tro- the mm-hmm. book fades have noses. I don't believe that the the show fades do. It doesn't look like they do. Okay, that makes it better actually. Ability is going to get flushed out in the show, or if it's going to ch- get changed by the show. So we've already mentioned kind of uh, channeling in groups. That rule has gone away with the show, where you can't channel too much to kill somebody. So I wonder if this rule with the Trollocs may change or be different. Uh, as the show flushes that out, if they even flush it out at all. I, I get the feeling that some of this stuff is just things that are going to fall by the wayside. It's it's deep lore that is interesting, but not crucial to telling the story. So it's kind of why I want to get into some of it, because I'm pretty sure most of it's just going to get passed right by. Another interesting thing about Mirdral, uh, they won't die until the sun sets. If you kill a Mirdral, it will not die until the next setting sun. 
Ooh, so that means it can sort of sneak back into the shadows or part of it can uh, sneak really. back it, into it, the like, shadows? Like when you when you put the killing stroke on it, it's kind of like a chicken with its head cut off. It, it's going to start kind of thrashing around mindlessly, but it's not going to actually fall over and die until the next setting sun. So if you behead a Trolloc first thing in the morning, you got a day ahead of you. <laughs> no, no that, that's that's a fade. A, a fade, yeah. Only fades. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But still, the, the comedic possibilities that are coming <laughs> yeah. to my brain. I'm, I'm Headless mirror draw running way, around. There's a I, short I mean, film I, in there. I Have think we the, even the... seen a mirror draw during the day? I think every episode where we've actually seen one, it's been at night. Are they more powerful at night than during the daytime? Like, Do their powers reach their zenith when the sun sets? You know, that's not ever really addressed. Um, I would not put it out of the realm of possibility, but it's not anything that anybody in the books has ever questioned. So it, it's not really addressed in any way. Well, they can move around easier when it's either dark or dusk because you have more yeah. shadow. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, that's actually something I wanted to ask about. So at, at night, there's, I mean, unless it's there's a full moon, there's actually fewer shadows. There's more shadows during the day because there's a sun and, and sun yeah. casts a, a shadow when something stands in the way of, of the sun. But, uh, so I guess. It would be more shadows in interior it, spaces. Th- does right. total darkness count as shadow? Right. right. They, yeah. That's what I was getting at. They, they'd be able to move everywhere, right? Right. Yeah. You guys are getting to a level of geekery that that's surpassing. <laughs> even, even mine, <laughs> so. Well, we're talking about actually that a fade was out and about with the Trollocs when they were chasing, you know, Moraine and the gang, you know, I yeah, think it was true. episode two. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think, you know, they can. Well, we saw the Trollocs and during when, the daytime. We didn't yeah. actually see the fade until they were at the cro- the river, the river co- crossing. Right. That is true. Came from the rear. So might've just been hanging out in the trees. So if the mirror hammock, if the mirror draw come from the Trollocs, they're of Trolloc stock, but they're just sort of a mutation. Mm-hmm. So as a result, they have these supernatural powers. Do any of the Trolloc clans or any other Trollocs ever have any sort of supernatural abilities as well? Or is it just Trolloc, Mirdral, we have the two classes and they're just forever sundered? Um, Trollocs don't, don't have special abilities like that, as it were. Um in in one of the guides, it mentions that there may be specialized Trolloc bands um, made with like uh, uh, digging animals that were meant to be siege miners, but it's not something that ever shows up in the book or or ever is mentioned anywhere other than in some of the the supplemental material. So that's about as far as as Trollocs go for getting specialized. Badger Trolloc, oi, yeah. <laughs> Wolverine Honey badger trollic. That would just just avoid it at all costs. <laughs> Honey badger trollic does not give a shit. And uh, one more thing on on the mirror draw, uh, their blades. Um, I was not sure if I wanted to bring this up, but again, this is something that Amazon Prime uh, let let loose. So I'll let it loose as well. Um, their their blades are are very evil. I guess is the best way to put it. Um, they are created in the blight at a forge in the blight. It is the only place where these blades are created. Um, they are deadly to the touch. Um, ba- basically, a, a nick of a, a mirror draw blade is going to mean death. 
um, unless there's an Aes Sedai standing like right behind you when it happens. So it's a step up from the Trolloc poison. Yeah. Um, and part of creating those blades is uh, the final quenching of the blade is inside a human body. Hmm. So Metal. in order to make a, a Myrdral's blade, they have to kill a human. So every Myrdral you see with a sword, yeah. that sword... Makes for a totally different like a rite of passage. <laughs> right. Yeah. Forged in fire after dark. Yeah. And, and you know, that that's, again, a thing that we don't ever really see in, in the books. It's just something that's mentioned, but uh, it's something that Amazon already mentioned, so I figured I'd bring it up here. Cool. Any other thoughts or questions on Mirdral before we move on? I, I, I don't know where exactly it was, but the thought of the, uh, you know, quenching the the quenching the blade in a human i i don't remember where i've heard that before it's something to do with valerian steel or i don't i don't know i've heard that in other in other geekery i i mean it it does sound like something that that would be in some sword and sorcery type thing yeah and I just considering that where. robert jordan previously wrote conan novels i would not be surprised if if it even came from yeah that. it might have been in the conan novels yeah, yeah it could be um no i i i just I mentioned Forged in Fire specifically because the the imagery that you could get, as disturbing as this is, recognizing that this would be a scene to disturb people, but the fireball that you often get when quenching a blade, oh my gosh, in the, in the, as part of the stabbing, the, the fireball coming off of it would just be, it'd be both amazing and severely disturbing. So yeah, Plus you're burning through them. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for taking an image that was already horrible and, and just cranking it up to 11. That was, that was well appreciated. Yeah, I, I, we said this was the dark episode. Yeah. <laughs> it is very much the dark episode. This is not the TV 14 episode. No. So one last question before we move on yeah. from Mirdral. And this kind of applies to, uh, I guess, both Mirdral and Trollocs. So the origin of Trollocs, which eventually led to Mirdral, uh, an Aes Sedai or Chandler created... You know, a wizard scientist created them in a lab somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Took the animal DNA, combined them with human DNA. Okay. Why does that make them evil? Because that doesn't necessarily make them evil. Animals aren't evil. I mean, they're animalistic, it, but... And and that's the thing, is a Trolloc not driven by a Myrdral is not really evil. It's lazy. It's very animalistic in its its wants and needs. It wants food. It wants sex. It wants to sleep. Food, if it has to kill you to eat you because it's hungry, then it's doing that not because it's evil, but because it wants to eat. The animal's going to animal. Exactly. Are, are there any and, offshoot and going? Are there any offshoot oh, communities? I mean, because they have a surprising. I've learned that they've from this episode that they've had. They have a surprising level of intelligence. They can not only speak, they can write. There are forges, which is a level of technology I wasn't uh, thinking they had. Mirdral have clothes and armor, so those have to be created. So. They, they have, I guess, some level of community and intelligence. So do any of them, you know, rebel or, or do any of them show signs of, uh, you know, resisting the Myrdral's influence or the Shadow's influence? Um, I, I think you're you're probably giving them a little more credit than they're due. They do have some basic level of community, but these are still very, very animalistic beings. Um, you know, they have basic, basic speech, but... They're more animal than human still. Got it. Um, Got it. But, but even like, animals can run away. Like dogs yeah, can run yeah. away if they feel they're being mistreated. Like, uh, so the female Trollocs are just broodmares. They, they're, they spend their life pregnant, uh, more or less. Um, and, and that is their lot in life. 
so it's not like they have a great society that they're they're doing. And a lot I, of feminist and, trollocs. Yeah, and if you look at the the what the trollocs are wearing, you can you, the stuff the trollocs are wearing is clearly made by the trollocs. It's big. You know, the, the, their swords are made out of pieces of metal that they found, and you can see that they're all, you know, just beaten up because they've been swinging them against different things. And it's not, you know, they didn't forge that sword. They kind of crafted it out of just some stuff that they picked up. Whereas the Myrdral have actual forged swords, and, you know, it, those were not created by Trollocs. Those, those were forged by other forgers. Um, and and I would say that the the stuff that the Myrdral have is probably created either by the Myrdral themselves or by by human dark friends because you know can't discount the fact that they do have humans in their army too. So are there dark friends in the blight? Yeah, that, I was going to ask that question. Like, how do how do the human dark friends survive in the in the blight? Uh, not very well. So you're telling me um, my desire to advocate for Trolloc rights is misled. Uh, shouldn't pursue that career any further. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stomp on your dreams. Um, but uh, the Trollocs that you're trying to fight for the rights of might, or just stomp on you directly. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. Not, not just the dreams. dreams. Yeah. It, don't take a nap or fall asleep either. You end up mushroom laden. Yeah. Yeah. True. Uh, so our our next type of uh, shadow people, dark friends, whatever, are dreadlords. Um, these are simply dark okay. friends who can channel. So Interesting. They get their own title. Yes. So technically, Forsaken are dreadlords, or they kind of rose from the ranks of the dreadlords. Um, the, the people who are not as powerful are not do not get to be called Forsaken, but they're, they're still channelers, so they're dreadlords. They generally have, you know, they don't have as much forsake as much power as the forsaken, so they aren't really a general, but they're more of a, a whatever's below a general that that Colonel. is still high up in their military. Yeah, something like that. And to understand the org chart, um, does that mean <laughs> that there is needs to be dark created now that can channel? Because if they channel, they're automatically um, a dreadlord. A dreadlord. Yes. So dark friends cannot channel. If you're ch- if you become a basically a dark friend and you can channel, you're a dreadlord. More or less. Um, okay. I mean, I would say that there's probably a strength of channeling there. You know, somebody uh, like understood. So yeah, if, it's more if, like an officer kind of thing. That was yeah, my like question. If, if Amalisa tried to be a dark friend, she would probably not be a dreadlord the same way that she did not have enough to to become an Ice Sedai. Right? Gotcha. Gotcha. So, yeah. So she'd be like a you know lieutenant. Yeah. Yeah. That begs my question because. I kind of find it a little bit hard to picture channelers in the world that we know from the shows going to the dark side, both because one, the males are going to go mad. Uh, so then that begs the question, Hey, do they pull male channelers in? And then the dark one says, okay, you don't have to go mad or you go mad in a way that I can control. Uh, and, and or how do they pick up female channelers without the Aes Sedai grabbing them first? Or do they turn the ones that are already that high? It just it seems like it's a little difficult in the modern era to come up with these dreadlords. And maybe that's because yeah. they're existed already and they're magically enhancing their lifespan. Or I don't know. Maybe I'm not seeing the dark uh, side of turning people. DW. 
I was just going to say to quote uh, Ruark from a previous episode, uh, there's no information to confirm the Black Aja. We do not know of anything about the Black Aja. <laughs> it is a rumor that we know nothing of. And and also you seem to have to actively go to the White Tower to become an Aes Sedai. If the Dark Friends get a hold of you before you make that trip, they could very well convince you that they are on the side. I get the impression on. it's more like the Jedi, where anywhere the Aes Sedai have influence, they kind of have eyes. And when they see someone of that age that can channel, they pull them into the tower. They may, but we still, we like, we've seen a story of somebody who ended up going to the tower on their own. Had a dark friend gotten to that person first and been like, you know, who could solve your problems with the people who just burned down your house. You could come talk to my friends and you could become this all powerful. We'll show you the way. Like if they had tried that, it might've worked. I'm not sure Nynaeve's friend could channel though. I'm not convinced of that. Well, well, Swan went to the to the tower after the villagers. That's what, that's what I was talking about. Was burned oh, okay. burned down her house. She wanted to take revenge, and there was a dark friend around there who said, "I will show you how to make sure this never happens again." You might have lost Swan to the to the. Dread yeah, dread. that's one thing. That's probably how they get recruited: revenge, spite, either because of something anti-channelers do, or something that happens within the tower. Yeah, something they do themselves. Like, oh, well, you know, since you want to want to do that or, you know, I got snubbed for the seat, so I know what I'm going to do. I'll show you snub. It's interesting how they would hide their power as they become stronger, right? Because obviously Suwan had trouble even keeping it from the village and space around her. They figured it out. Um, so if, if someone had turned Suwan and pulled her away, where... Where does she practice her craft without, you know, somebody figuring it out and then having the ice die on her tail instantly? This is an odd parallel to make, but we've made word weirder ones. Um, <laughs> I, the vision I get in my head when you're talking about that is the Brotherhood from uh, X-Men. Mm-hmm. You know, if Magneto gets in there and talks to him beforehand and like, no, come with us. You don't have to hide anymore if you're with us. Right. You can be who you are. Don't be embarrassed of it. And if they're if they truly are dark, like like we've been told, then it's also to their benefit to help foster the hatred of uh, channelers. They can go to cities and make people really scared of channelers. So now that channeler is in an awkward position and then they swoop in and oh, no, this is the way when you could trace back and find out that they're the ones who told everybody to be scared of the channelers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's it could be really, really complicated. So now I want to see the Dreadlord training camp that's somewhere in this world. <laughs> Do we know that there is a Dreadlord training camp? I don't know, but I want to see it. The Black Tower. Ooh, where there is a White Tower, there is a Black I mean, Tower. It's Black probably, if, it, if there is a Dreadlord training camp, it's probably in, you know, the White Tower, honestly. Like, hey, we, we have a club. We meet at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I mean, you I already have professors speaking into kids' rooms and like beating their dark, asses Dumbledore's to make army. them channel. So like, it might not even like get blinks. Like, oh yeah, of course there's midnight classes. Okay. <laughs> even more want to see it now. Right. Any more thoughts about Dreadlords? Have we seen one in this? Uh, we've seen them in the, the, uh, uh, animated shorts, uh, we saw yeah, but none, none right. in the series itself yet, right? No. Okay. At least none that he'll tell us about. That we know of. Yeah. That we'll find out from Rourke, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
So, uh, other things of the shadow, uh, rats and ravens and other carrion eaters, uh, but mostly rats and ravens. Uh, this is not, they are not themselves of the shadow, but due to the fact that they are carrion eaters, this is another thing that fades can do is the same way they kind of infest a Trollocs mind. They can kind of pull information from these creatures' minds. So there's your eyes fade, and ears. Yeah. So a fade could take a raven or or a rat and kind of, you know, do its thing where it takes control of it and then send it into a city, have it run around. And then when the rat reports back to the to the fade, it will pull that information out of the rat's brain. So, Did he mean to make fades kind of cool? this means that in a lot of places especially in the borderlands there are bounties on rats on ravens on carrion eaters um if you see one you kill it um and that's that part yeah and that part where where it has to pull the information from the animal's mind is important because that means the the creature has to report back so if you see a raven, that doesn't mean you're boned if you can shoot it down. Mm. But if that raven gets away and that raven reports to a, to a fade, eh, you might be boned. So that's why there's, there's that, that bounty in so, many places. So it's not like a three-eyed raven kind of deal. It's more like a spy kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. So I just want to say I, I think I am basically on board with Samaria. Fades are pretty dope. They have, they're like way overpowered. They can travel between shadows. They can control trollic animals. They can control rats and birds. That's way too much power for one being. I mean, think about it. If you could control a bunch of rats and just have them attack a city, they don't even have to kill things. They can just, you know, bite everyone and spread the plague. So, so I would say they can't really control them on that level. They're, they're not like sending rats in to do battle or anything. They're just kind of connecting with the rat and and giving the rat the idea to like, you know, walk through that room over there, but the rat's still going to do rat things as is doing it. Uh, so they can't command a a rat onslaught. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, that rat then has to come back to the to the fade in order to, for the fade to pull that information from it. So it might get get distracted by some pub cheese over there. Yeah. yeah. It it very much so. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, so, so while they're overpowered, they're not quite as overpowered as, as you might think. Um, and then we're going to move on to, uh, Machin Shin and Mashadar. Uh, Mashadar being the, the black wind in, in the ways. Machin Shin is actually that thing that we saw in Shatter Logoth. Okay. And, uh, Ooh. my notes on these in context to our, our, uh, episode about the shadow is they're not shadow spawn. One of them is technically the shadow, but no, not a shadow no. spawn. You know. Let's put it this way. The, 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 uh, the fade could not move through it. Very much so. Very much not. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Mashadar, uh, which that one is. Um, I always get Machinchin and Mashadar mixed up because yeah, thought, they're both. Not so, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're both. Uh, kind of evil mists as it were, or evil shadows. And so, yeah, they're evil to easy to get mixed up, but, uh, yeah, Mashadar, um, Trollocs and fades are terrified of Mashadar. 
uh, we saw that because of the fact that they would not go into in, into the city. Right. Well, um, seeing what it did to the horses, you know, yeah. animal DNA does not give you a pass. Yeah. And, and it will do that to not, it, it will seek out humans and such kind of as, as we saw, but if a shadow spawn were to set foot in the city, it would seek it out immediately. Now, quick question on that. The dagger that we saw when it was being pulled from him by Moraine, was that that substance or was that black magic or what What was the black we saw coming out and like tried to go in her mouth? Like, um, what was that? That is uh, definitely re- related to Mashadar. I don't know if it's like a separated piece of Mashadar or something like that, um, but it is definitely related to Mashadar. And uh, Mashadar, like I said, it's not part of the shadow. It's not a shadow spawn. Basically, yeah, I'm going to get into this. This, this, I don't think this is going to be spoilers because this is this doesn't. They don't even really get into this much in the books. But uh, um, when Shadar Logoth shut themselves off from the world, that was at the beginning of the Trolloc Wars, two thousand years ago. Um, they were the richest and and most prosperous civilization at the time. And then they walled themselves in with those giant walls to keep all of the shadow armies out and walled themselves off from the rest of humanity. And, and when people went back there later after the Trolloc Wars is when they found what is inside everything empty and Mashadar running around. And the thought I've always had is that, they were consumed by their own human evil. It did not come from the dark one. It was something that came from humans and their greed specifically. And it just consumed them from the inside and and ended up becoming Mashadar, which consumes anything that comes into the city. Siobhan. I wondered if it was some kind of defensive weapon, like assuming that you had Chandlers inside, um, Shadar Lagatha, they created this thing to defend them against Trollocs, and it got out of control. Oh, that's actually, I I had never thought of that. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's interesting. Interesting. yeah that is great. I, I will say, um, even though Siobhan's uh, thought is awesome, I just rewatched that episode, and when Lan is telling them about the city, it specifically says that it grew from their, grew from within from themselves. So it kind of supports what Rurik was saying earlier that their own, their own greed, their own evil, got so congested and so built up within themselves because they were walled in that it consumed them from inside. Now, doesn't that suggest that somebody got out? Because otherwise, how would you know what happened inside the city? Uh, well, we don't know what happened inside the city. People eventually got in and discovered what was there. Hmm. Interesting. So it's probably just as much lore to the people after. This happened how long ago? Uh, it fell yeah, because I'm wondering. At, at, it can't. Why can't it be? Yeah, uh, it, it fell at the end of the or in the middle of the Trolloc Wars. At the end of the Trolloc Wars is when they broke in and found that it was dead, and that and the, was approximately two thousand years ago. Yeah, because I'm wondering if it can't be a bioweapon, and then you know it got through lore like down the line and it's like, yeah, their greed, which, you know, isn't mutually exclusive from a bioweapon of some sort. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, myself, I've always I just really seen... like that idea, Siobhan. That was amazing. Yeah, it's a cool concept. Yeah. 
myself, I've always seen Shadow Logoth as kind of a, a stand-in for like the uh, um, the story where the city gets turned to salt pillars and all that. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. Gomorrah. Thank, you. Thank you. I don't know why I was having such a hard time thinking of that, but yeah, it, it uh, always reminded me of the, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, they, they like ate themselves from the inside and, and were spited because of it kind of thing. Um, which knowing Robert Jordan, that is exactly what, what he had in mind. But, uh, so is it not conclusively known what that is or what the origin of it is, or are you just not going to tell us? Uh, it is not conclusively known. So we can create, we're free to create whatever sort of headcanon we want. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure there's um, entire bulletin boards that are, <laughs> that are devoted to that. And a little bit of difference, uh, Mashadar in the books was more of a kind of silver glowing mist that, that slowly filled up the city. Um, whereas in, in the show, they, they showed it as a shadow that moves along the ground, which worked just as well. And I can see where they would want to do it that way because that is infinitely cheaper to produce. Right. So, And is it totally confined to Shadow Logoth or, or does it ever get out? I mean, we see it. A get out maybe a piece of it get out with the dagger yeah it, it is confined to shadow logoth um, um, that is kind of why they said don't take anything because anything from the city is tainted with that evil so that that's probably what that coming out of that that blade was was that taint possibly being part of mashadar itself or just being tainted by mashadar but it's anything from the city is going to have that taint it's still a different taint than the yes. what, <laughs> not what the dark one's Chandler's. taint. Somebody else's taint. Gotcha. Okay. Which which is interesting. Like I'm I'm wondering what's going to happen to Padden Fane now if if it's not a part of the dark one and the dark one's powers, then it should p- affect Padden Fane and start to consume him as it did with uh, Matt. Do we know that it hasn't started already? It possible. It's not, it's not consuming him in the same way that it consumed Matt for sure. Cause we're not seeing that kind of zombie esque type of issues and the, you know, the dark around the eyes that you saw with Matt. But we also itching to change the subject right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, please don't. Just, just don't add anything to it. We also don't I'm know. Watching them um, biting that, that, uh, <laughs> lips and holding nose and trying not to say anything. Patton Fane, though, also may not be fighting it, which may have been what was causing the reaction we saw. Was a struggle against it. If Patton Fane's hand in hand agreement with it. That could be scary. I, I think that'd be interesting. Yeah, and if it's already consumed him in a sense because Padden Fane's already consumed with evil, then yeah, that that I could see that. He's this got more season than two previews. Been off. brought to you. Though. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna make our own what if series right after this. Yeah. Uh, so. Moving on from Mashadar, talk about Mach and Shin for a moment. Uh, like I said, that one's also not technically part of the shadow, not shadow spawn. Um, it is a manifestation of that that taint on the male half of the true source because the ways were made only with the male half of the true source and that taint caused it to, to corrupt over time. But oh. it was not a... Much like the mirror draw, it wasn't planned. It wasn't a thing that was planned. It was just a thing that happened. Um, Unintended so it is consequences. Not, yeah. yeah. So it's not technically part of the shadow. It's not connected to the Dark One in any way. 
it's really its own thing, but clearly it's evil. Again, sort of a self-defense mechanism there. I would, I would think because it's touched off by channeling. So something in the ways does not want any channeling to happen. So I think the idea that Siobhan had about the, uh, you know, sort of the, the defense mechanism gone wrong, I think that's, that's, you know, definitely what's going on there. But it's it kind begs, of like the, go ahead. It begs the question, if the ways were created for the Ogier and the Ogier are used to a space that doesn't have channeling in it, possibly that might have been part of the original design of the ways where you couldn't channel in the ways just like in a steading so that the Ogier were comfortable with that space because it was built for them to travel between steadings. Right, but the if the Ogier can't channel or won't channel, then where did where did the Machinchen come from? Um, yeah, I'll I'll answer that one right now. The the ways back in the day uh, when they were first made, you could channel in them no problem. Um, the Mashadar is itself, like I said, just a physical manifestation of that taint of the magic that that created the ways. Just corrupting it over time. Um, so it, it wasn't originally part of the plan and you could originally channel in the ways, no problem. And an, an argument seems to be able to be made for if it is the taint of the magic and magic gets used in the area, it may be attracted to untainted versions of it so they can taint it up more. Oh. Mm, could be. I think you just wanted to find a, a way to say taint as many times. As <laughs> in one sentence. sentence. I, I got to tell you, I can top that. I'm not gonna... <laughs> I've known you for long enough to know that you can, and I'm also known you for long enough to know that you shouldn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then moving on, there is uh, one more shadow spawn I'm going to bring up. It it was mentioned in in uh, by the production, so I don't feel bad bringing it up since production mentioned it. Production didn't say anything about it, so I'm just going to tell you the name of that shadow spawn, and then let you guys riff. Just uh, yeah, riff on it. Let, let, let's see what you come up with. Um, and that shadow spawn is called a drag car. Oh, 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 I get it. So it's it's a it's a really strong bad cologne that only a lot in the noir aspect of it. Um, I, actually I think that's they just bottle Trolloc sweat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cologne. Sounds about right. Um yeah. Um Drakkar, it the one does show up in in the Eye of the World uh the book. Did not show up in the show. I can understand why they wouldn't. I mean, they already had to introduce so many things and creating yet another creature for a one shot was going to be kind of expensive for them. So I can see why they didn't, but they did mention it, which makes me think that they're going to bring it, bring Drakkar in, in the future. So given that Robert Jordan seems to like to use the names of things to wink at other mythologies, Drakkar sounds a little bit like dragon to me. Um, That's what I was wondering. Yeah. So um, that actually is going to bring us right into something I wanted to bring up from last episode, Dracarius. which is uh, in the last episode, we had a, a little edit in there that made it sound like I said something I didn't. And I noticed that on, on listen back and that edit was uh, DW asked me if uh, 
the dragon from the Age of Legends was named after anything, and somehow the edit made it sound like I said it's named after a thing from the Age of Legends called a dragon, which is not at all what I was trying to say, but the edit made it sound that way, which made it sound like I was saying there were dragons in the Age of Legends. I am going to say completely clearly right now, there are no dragons that we think about when we think about dragons, be it Eastern dragons or Western dragons in these books anywhere. What about Komodo dragons? There might be Komodo dragons if they have an island. Gotcha. Yeah. (laughs) Which is interesting because the the pin, the pin that the dragon reborn has is very much reminiscent of the mythological look of a dragon. Yes. The, the symbol of the, the dragon, which we saw in one of those uh, animated episodes is very much an Eastern style dragon, Uh, Chinese style dragon, red and gold uh, with kind of the lion's mane and the long serpentine style body. But nothing like that appears in, in the series. It is not as far as we know, a real thing. It is just a thing like in our world, a thing of mythology. So trying to go on story building rather than on similarity of the name, because I thought the same thing, yeah. Michael, um, but trying to go on similarity or story building. Um, I wonder if it's going to be something to the design of uh, a mount, uh, like some sort of either dog or horse like monstrous dark creature. Hmm. There's an interesting thought. Because it's something we haven't had. Mind you, that none of the none of the Trollocs or Fades were riding anything other than just horses um, in the in the previous times we've seen them. But it would be interesting if there was some sort of either hound or horse related variation of things. Hmm. And I'd I'd buy that too, just on the basis of the fact that we don't have a lot of additional humanoid species in this world. Yeah. So we're talking thoughts. Trolloc centaurs. Or, or you know, while not dragon, uh, it also could be Drake related, which is just, I mean, more of a, a winged something. Okay. I'll, I'll, oh, I'll, I like I'll, that one. I'll, 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 a yeah, duck? I'll, I'll let you go with that one. <laughs> <laughs> so there's an evil duck you're saying. There is. There's yeah. a totally evil duck. Come so, on. So, the story does not duck? get improved by an evil duck. So Drakkar <laughs> is an evil duck is is where we're coming down. Wearing it, a bad It's actually cologne. in the old tongue it was pronounced Quekar. <laughs> <laughs> so I heard Drakkar and I heard Dracula. So I'm thinking blood drinkers. Ooh, Ooh. interesting. That was good too. Mm, yeah. Oh my! Interesting thought. Though I, I don't know that we can exclude Trollocs or Fades from drinking blood, or ducks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Count Duckula, man. Who? He only drinks ketchup. <laughs> I shouldn't know that. Never mind. Scratch that. <laughs> All right, and with our evil vampire ducks, uh, I think we're getting to the end of this episode. Oh. Um. <laughs> It's getting uh, good. So uh, going into the end of this episode, uh, we've got our usual stuff to get through a mailbag and uh, we got no mail again. So oh. we'll just skip past mailbag. Oh. But please send those letters to us. Uh, watchpartywat at gmail.com. Watchparty, W-O-T at gmail.com. Send us those letters. We'll read them on air. We'll answer your questions. We'll have some fun. Um, 
also, um, I, I, I have started up some social media for us. Um, we, we have a Twitter account and I'm going to tell you right now, uh, uh, there are some people interacting with me on Twitter and I don't know what the hell I'm doing with Twitter. So if you're interacting with me and I'm not replying back, that's why my brain and Twitter <laughs> don't, don't grok each other. <laughs> But yeah, you can find us there on Twitter. That's uh, uh, Watt Watch Party at Watt Watch Party. Um, and one other thing I wanted to bring up: we've we've talked in the past on on this show about how we talk about things, and then those things come to pass, and and how the the fandom should really thank us for for making these things come to pass because clearly it was our doing. Yes. Um, so I want to use I want to use oh, that yes, power for good. I, I really want to use that power for good. Greg, I know you are also a fan of the Corridor Crew on YouTube. Yes, I am. Um, I think we need to push our fandom to start bugging the Corridor Crew because we want some uh, stuntmen react and some SFX artists react yes. videos to to the Wheel of Time. And and specifically, I would like to see stuntmen react to the blood snow. Blood snow. Oh, the yes. blood snow. Yeah. Oh, I yes. want the stuntmen react yes. to the blood snow. So. Yes. Um, please do the blood snow. As someone with a deathly fear of knives, I will watch it because that's how cool it was to overcome that phobia. Yeah. Um, so all of our, our fans out there, uh, if you are also a fan of Corridor Crew, um, help us. Help help us to to bug them into into doing a, an episode on that. Um, and if you're not a fan of Cor Corridor Crew, go check them out. Corridor Digital or Corridor Crew on YouTube. They they're, they're great insider information about how the effects in movies work and how stunts in movies work and how layouts in movies work. And they're just a great resource for for interesting information. And they're fun. They are a lot of fun. Um, so, uh, like usual, we want to say thank you to Michael and Jen. We get to say thank you to Michael in person this time. Thanks, Thanks Michael. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for putting this all together. Um, and also thanks to Jordan Rennells, our wonderful, wonderful uh, recording engineer. He makes us sound great. Thank you so yep. much, Jordan. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Jordan. A real life channeler. Jordan, you're a real one. And now, final question from the panel. What would be your reason for pledging yourself to the dark? DW. Oh, it would be probably to uh, have a say in how the world gets remade. So if I've given up hope that uh, the world's not going to get broken, the wheel's not going to get broken, that somehow the dragon is going to save everything, I might not do it. But if I've got no faith in the dragon, I got no faith in the Aes Sedai, I'd at least like to have a hand in uh, how things are remade, get, get some say in there. All right. David. Someone took away all the Star Trek, and now I have no reason to go on. <laughs> <laughs> Michael. Well, I saw someone eating pub cheese during this episode, so I would, uh, <laughs> I would join the dark, <laughs> use my powers to get an infinite supply of that pub cheese. <laughs> i'll ship you some well no you'd have to give me the secret location of the secret island. yeah can't do that can't do uh, that secret island of a p.o box yeah <laughs> greg i don't know man does it do they have dental if, they had, if, if, the, if the dark had dental i'm I, I i might i might yeah i might look into that that sweet benefits package oh yeah sweet bennies
Siobhan. So I've, I've said this before that I find that Matt is one of the characters that I identify with the most. And I think my vulnerabilities are exactly the same as his. You bring me a world where the people that I care about are protected and the people who screw other people over, I can get at them. Um, I can't promise that I wouldn't fall for that. Mm. And Samaria. Um, it would entirely be my strong sense of social justice. So if I looked at the world and decided that, you know, what's called light isn't doing a good enough job and someone dark came and recruited me and used exactly the right language and words to sway me, I'd be like, you know what? Roll tide. Let's go. (laughs) Down with light, up with blight. (laughs) 